Alright, thanks. I got a little... Well, hey, welcome to Grace. I'm Carl Messenger. I uh, serve as one of our pastors here. Oh, and I have a fan, too. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That sounds good. Well, we will rock you, and there it is. So, um, Anyway, hey, if we've been doing this uh, Game Changer series, which I love. I'm super excited to talk more about it in a minute. Uh, we've kicked off each uh, teaching moment with an uh, interview. And what we've tried to do is find ordinary people uh, who are doing extraordinary things for the Lord. And so if you heard last week, uh, Christine Bresser was here. And uh, what an incredible story. Where she is, oh, she's doing many things in many hostile nations, but notably in Rwanda, doing outreach and uh, just incredible conflict resolution in a very conflicted area and how uh, God is using her and her teams. And, uh, incredible, just look at these stories. Well, this morning we're going to bring it a little more closer to home uh, with a couple guys who are making uh, an amazing impact really all over this church. And so let me introduce to you Luke Trocchio and Ryan Wagner. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, first off, just you know, introduce yourself. Tell us how you even got connected at Grace. Uh, yeah, I mean, my name is Luke, like Carl said, and I've been going here kind of all my life. Sort of grew up in the church. Um, don't know if I necessarily got distant in middle school, but really got connected in high school and sort of started hanging out with Carl and getting discipled by Carl and, and John Jackson, for those of you guys that know John Jackson. So, yeah. Cool. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't grow up in the church. I, um, I've always lived in Grosse Point, but I just never attended church. You know, went on the holidays. Um, and then my senior year, Dan St. Lucia ended up inviting me to Revo. That's the high school group here on Wednesday nights. Um, and I was like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just crazy. But then I, uh, I went off to Michigan State for my freshman year after that, um, after only going like twice. And I actually joined crew. I had some friends invite me to crew. And I went, and I ended up getting saved there. Um, and then I came on back. Yeah. And I came on back for, uh, for last summer, and I got to just get to know a bunch of people. They invited me to Grace here. And this summer I'm an intern, so... It's well, an awesome journey. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, these guys are awesome. But, so, yeah, you're both uh, summer interns here, Grace. So tell us about that. You know, what, what are you guys uh, doing? What are your responsibilities with all that? Yeah, totally. Um, so being an intern, uh, first off, we get to have a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yes. We're not paid, so we don't get paid for our fun. <laughs> <laughs> you do get a lot of pizza. But um, a lot of being an intern, uh, one thing we do is, like, we get to grow musically. So it's awesome, like... We both play guitar and we sing. Uh, we just have a lot of fun. Another thing we do is we, I mean, we get to grow spiritually. I think that's the coolest mm. thing ever. Like, Carl challenges us a lot to, like, to read a lot of different books. Like, recently we read a big, bulky <laughs> Easy. book called The Case for the Resurrection. That was tough. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, a lot of it is, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. So, um, like... 45 degrees and, oh... Behind the scenes. Huh. Talk about behind the scenes right welcome, there. Welcome to life, Ryan. Wow. 
A lot of it is behind the scenes, like 45 degrees and storm. Those are uh, two of the, the student ministries here. And I mean, me and Luke, we get to do just a bunch of awesome stuff with the kids. I mean, honestly, I had never worked with kids before. And getting the chance here is just like, it's the most exciting thing ever. Like, seriously, you can't have enough energy around them. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Luke, what about you? Yeah. Um, so we recently started doing... Typically, for the fourth and fifth grade students, the ministry is called 45 Degrees. For those of you that don't have a fourth or fifth grade child or know a fourth or fifth grade child. (laughs) So anyways, we would typically have worship service with the middle school students in Storm, but we recently had an idea that we would have it just their own time. And we'd have like a band set up, drums, guitars, you know, the whole deal, just for focus for them. So that's sort of been a huge part of the summer for Ryan and I. And it's really great, not only because we can, you know, jam and and jump with students and be crazy, because that's what we like to do down there, and and it's just their time. So it's it's good that they don't have to worry about, you know, am I looking weird in front of someone that's a little older than I am or whatever. This is just, it's just their time. So for Ryan and I, it's really life-giving because we can grow as friends, and that's been a huge part of the summer for both of us is time and time, like week in, week out, I can say that we've grown closer, and and that's what this is all about, relationships and stuff, so... It's been huge for us. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, these guys are doing a great job with 45 Degrees. Luke kind of described what it is there. But uh, I want to talk about Ryan for a second here. So you, you may have noticed, uh, I want to talk about his, his, his week last Sunday, but you may have noticed that he was a lead guitar player last week. He was acoustic and some Vox this time. That means vocals, sorry. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so what you may not have noticed is immediately after the set last Sunday, took his guitar off and literally ran downstairs and led worship at 45 degrees, and then led one of the small groups, and did that for two services. So I'm just curious, how, how many naps have you taken in, in the last week? Oh, a ton. I'm still, <laughs> I still need a nap to wake up from that. I believe it. I believe it. And uh, 20-year-olds don't really nap, but this yes, one does. They do. I guess yes, I do. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So, uh, you know, Ryan, you know, it's been just, I just love seeing you down there. I love seeing you up here and, and hanging with you. But what's really come alive in you as you're navigating what, what God's, you know, maybe calling you to. Mm, yeah, I think uh, one of the first things, like I mentioned earlier, is just like a passion for youth ministry, you know, getting to, uh, to talk with the kids, get to know them better, see like how they're doing on their walk, encourage them, uh, teach them that God loves them. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it can be so hard to grasp. Um, and the same thing musically, I get to grow musically. I've really taken a lot, I mean, just being around such awesome musicians like Norflet and Ron and, and so many others. Um, it's just so great. But uh, I think the most life-giving thing is just um, learning who God is. Mm. I mean, it sounds simple, but just like his nature, his goodness, his faithfulness, um, how merciful he is. Uh, just there's so much to his character that I'm still unraveling, and I may never know, but it is so, it's so great to learn about it. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, you know, kind of last question, just, you know, pretty ambiguous, but what are you guys taking away from the summer? Yeah, um, so the summer has been really cool. It's given me a lot, just a pretty good focus on what it's like to do full-time ministry day in, day out. You know, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that you know, the students don't necessarily see or people don't necessarily see. But I'm going to be graduating from college at Ferris State. Um, oh, there's one. I'll take Bulldogs. it. Bulldogs? No. no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be graduating in May 2015, and then who knows 
what's going to happen. So I'm going to have a lot of opportunities, some different doors hopefully will open, and um, it's, it's going to be exciting just to see where this is going to lead me, and it's cool, so I'm excited. Cool, cool. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same spot. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have a communications major at Michigan State, and other than that, I couldn't tell you what I'm going to be doing in a week. So um, We know. Well, I probably <laughs> work could, for lunch. But, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, just, I have no idea what I'm doing, but all I can do is trust the Lord to, to guide me on, yeah. on my future. Amen, amen. Yeah, you know, these guys, they, they really are, are game changers. You know, I think, uh, I just love hanging with them, and, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to miss them here in a month. But, you know, I know a lot of times we can kind of think that in order to really make an impact for the Lord, you have to, like, sell all your stuff and, and move across, you know, to Africa or something. And God may call you to that, so this, I'm not letting you off the hook on that. But, you know, how many times does it just turn into your neighbor and being one of them or, or reaching out to whoever God brings across your life, be it a fourth or fifth grader, uh, high school or college age, someone at Kroger whatever, and, and just being a Christ follower in your everyday life at your job. And so we just wanted to bring it a little close to home with these guys who are doing an amazing job. And I want to pray for them real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive into scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for these guys. It is an honor and a joy for me to be with them and journey with them. Lord, that you give me a, a, such a tiny role um, to, to love these guys, uh, I'm very honored. Uh, and thank you so much for that. It really blesses me. Father, I pray for these guys right now as they're, you know, kind of wrapping up another month with us and looking towards the future uh, where they don't know what's going to happen, but um, someone does, and that's you. And we trust you for that, and we're excited for all that. Lord, I just uh, pray that you would do a work in these guys and then through them. Lord, that you would equip them to do mighty things in your name. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to get off the bench and reach people. Lord, we love you very much. We pray you're glorified in all that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thank you. that was you know okay so, you know I had this whole intro planned but I was like you know what I this is America this is, I don't know if we even you know who watched who watched it how many who watched that live oh, oh hey, all right all right me and my friend Pete watched it and I uh, I looked like one of those German fans I jumped up and went kind of crazy so I'm glad my wife didn't take any pictures but hey we're talking about game changers right and uh, what a perfect intro to that guy Mario Goza the guy who scored the goal now if I'd have been up here two weeks ago and said, hey, what do you guys think about, you know, the World Cup and, hey, Mario Goza of Germany, you'd all just stared at me. You know, maybe, maybe the two, you know, UEFA fans, which that means, like, real soccer fans, like, not every four years, but every, like, four days, 
you would have been like, okay, but why are you talking about some German bench player? What, this is weird. What are you talking about? It's a fascinating story. He was actually cut from the team kind of during some of the preliminary games. But then he was re-added. But it's Germany, right? And they're all awesome. I mean, they're the best. They're amazing. And, but he's a young, young player, really, really skilled, but he's young. And so he kind of rides the pine for a little bit, gets into a few games, including, obviously, the final game against Argentina as a sub, comes in, scores the World Cup clinching goal with seven minutes left in extra time. Just incredible. Just an amazing game changer, world changer. I mean, history maker right there. That dude, you would have never heard of him if he didn't put that in. And it was just pretty amazing. And as amazing as that was, and it was, it was awesome. Half of you watched it, I'm impressed. As amazing as that was, it pales in comparison to our calling from God to be a game changer. I want to take you on a little bit of, of our history as, as, uh, as believers. Uh, you go back, let's go back 4,000 years ago to Genesis 12, the calling of Abraham. And God says this to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that doesn't happen by sitting on the sidelines. You know, Abraham and Sarah, uh, we could talk about them the rest of this morning here. They had to trust God. They had to trust God with an heir that they didn't have at the time. And they weren't that young. And then they had to trust that God would really make good on this promise and carry it on forever. And he has. And we could just walk through uh, the, the history of the scriptures here. Look at Moses. Moses was a murderer on the run. God brings him back to Egypt. Scary enough, are they going to remember me and kill me? And then, to make matters worse, are they going to kill me because God's telling me to take all the Israelites out of here? He had to trust that God was mightier than the mighty Egyptians. And, if that's not all, then that God would lead them to the promised land. Now, in the promised land, there's a woman named Rahab. She's a Canaanite prostitute. She's in the lineage of Jesus. And she has to trust the spies, which isn't you know, normally a good idea, but in this case... They were God's spies, so I guess that's okay. And trust what God was revealing to her and doing as he was showing his plan, big picture, and in her life. And Esther. Esther is the fascinating story. She had to literally risk her entire life for such a time as it was. Risk everything for God's people and for the glory of God. These people had to get off the bench and God used them. They start as just nobodies. And he rises them up. And he uses them. And look at Jesus' very own disciples. Most of them were teenagers. Minimally educated. You know, just your average fishermen. I mean, nobodies. And God uses them to change the world and carry the story and the apostles to us. And, and I, I feel like, you know, Jesus is with them and he calls them out. He says, hey, either sit back and take a nap. Or, hey, wake up and pray. It's game on. Hey, either, you know, cast your net in the water and catch some fish or stay empty-handed. Whatever. Either follow me or stay in your sins. You know, Jesus' very teaching in Matthew 5, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's obvious. It's on a hill. He says, neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That wouldn't make any sense. He says, instead, you place it on a stand and it gives light to the whole, to everyone in the room. Now, a quick pause there. You know, when I walk into a dark room, say at home, I flip on the light switch, no lamps, but a light switch. I do it so that I can see everything and mainly so I don't trip over my kids' toys and break my neck, right? That we, we can all relate to that. But Jesus flips on the proverbial light switch, lights the lamp so that he can see everyone. Jesus sees people. He doesn't just see the things in life that we see. He sees people. That's a good reminder. And so he says, in the same way, let your light shine before men, before people, so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. These words from Jesus, right there from Matthew 5, are going to be the driving force and the underlying focus as we unpack our main text this morning uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2. So go ahead and turn there uh, with me. If uh, you're grabbing one of the Bibles under your chair, the blue Bibles, it's the very bottom right-hand corner of page 857. It's towards the very end, James, 1 Peter 2. Let me just pray real quick while you're turning there. Lord, uh, open our eyes to your words. Lord, move, move in our hearts, move in our minds. Lord, reach our very souls. Lord, draw us closer to you. May we follow you recklessly and passionately. And just teach us something. Open our eyes to see you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to read, uh, we're in verse 4, chapter 2, verse Peter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 through 12. I'm going to read through it, and then we'll come back and walk through a few of the verses, and we'll end Uh, a little stronger in verse 11 through 12. Let's read this. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, because we are Christians, we are like Christ, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says... See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey. You could also understand that word as disbelieve. They disbelieve the message which is also what they were destined for because of their unbelief. But you, believers, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed this series. Uh, even the title rocks, you know, Game Changer. Who doesn't want to be a game changer, right? There should, there should be no hands up. It's amazing. And it's a phrase we understand in our context, be it sports 
um, or maybe jobs, homes, life in general. You, you want to you make something of it. And as I was thinking about this, as great as, as those fields are, you know, let's look at it spiritually. And when I say spiritually, let me define that. I don't just mean, oh, spiritually, of course, right, right now, Sunday morning. Spiritually is this part of my life when I'm at church or I'm reading my Bible or I'm praying or I'm only around my Christian friends. No, no, no. Not even close. Spiritually is everything. It's every part of life. It's everywhere you go. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, everything is spiritual. Even if you don't, it is. That's the facts of it. But for us, as the Spirit is in us and uh, with us, everything is spiritual. There's not one thing that you guys will come into contact with that is separate from the spiritual world. And uh, sadly, I think we miss most of the things that are going on. Uh, my prayer is that I at least catch like, you know, 51% of what God's doing. But um, that's what I mean by spiritually. And so spiritually, what might it look like for me, for you, to be a game changer? Peter lays out four necessities for spiritual impact to be a game changer here in this passage. Now, I'm going to list all four, but I'm really only going to spend the majority of my time on the final one. But we'll work our way there. So the first necessity for spiritual impact is a non-negotiable. This is 100% fact. Is that you must be in God's presence. Now verse 4 says, as you come to him, the living stone, as you, as you come to Jesus. Actually a better understanding of the Greek word for come would be remain. So it's not just, oh, as you come to Jesus. Oh, hey Jesus, what's up man? Hey, you're my homeboy. Good to see you. Catch you later. And I'm going to go do me. No, it's better understood as, hey, Jesus, here I am, and I don't want to be anywhere else. There's nothing else I want. There's no one else. Nothing will satisfy. Nothing will get me excited or ready to live life apart from you. And I'm not going to go anywhere that you're not going with me or that you're not sending me. And so that's this idea that we come to Jesus and we stay there. Sometimes we don't move until he nudges us. He'll nudge you good enough. So that's the first necessity. You've got to stay in God's presence. The second one is an understanding that God is who he says he is. That when we understand scriptures and how he moves in our lives and how he speaks to us, that we can trust Jesus because of who he is and what he accomplished on the cross. Defeating death. Dying in our place. That's someone you can trust. And throughout history, perfectly faithful. We must trust that he is able and willing to do that. Peter uh, records uh, the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Christ where he says, He, Jesus, is the chosen and precious cornerstone. That means that he sets and builds the foundation of our lives. Not just our church lives, of our lives. And the cornerstone, and all who trust in him will never be put to shame. He must set and be our foundation. Now third, that really builds off of that. It's not just enough to, oh yeah, I know about God, and, and God's amazing, of course. But so what? And so I look at us, and we need to know that we are who God calls us to be. That we're chosen that we belong to God, that, that we are royal priests, which means not only is that like a really cool title or something special, but it means we have direct access to God. 
I don't think we realize that in our culture today, but back then, reading these words, wow, we are royal priests because of him. And so we have received his mercy so we can live it out in front of everyone, which bleeds into the fourth necessity for spiritual impact, which would be do it, right? Have it. Have some. And that would be that we must publicly live out our faith. Verse 11 through 12, talk about this. Because of what Jesus did, we're chosen. We're royal priests. We're, we're a family. We belong to him. We're chosen like Abraham 4,000 years ago. Not just to be special, but we are chosen so that all people will be blessed. That's the purpose. Just like the lamp isn't there just to see things, it's to see people. It's about people. Jesus' heart is for all people, and so must ours. You know, in order for us to be a game changer in life, be it on the soccer pitch or uh, in your jobs, in your schools, in your homes, in order for us to be a game changer in life, there's a response needed, a move and action on our part is required. If we are to be people belonging to God, then we must respond to him when he calls us. And Peter gives us uh, that scenario in verse 11. Let's take a look at that. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. Now, qu a quick pause there. So we know the context to this, where he's writing to believers in, in Asia Minor who were largely actual exiles, be it from Rome, from persecution, or other areas, whether, whether religious persecution, whether it's just their, their background. Uh, and, and they all kind of come here, and, and from their faith, they're persecuted. And so they felt like strangers and aliens. And so in my life, I feel like when the opposite happens, I may not be in the right place. Here's what I mean. If I'm only hanging out with people who look like me and talk like me and act like me and like me and think I'm amazing and everything Carl says and believes is just spot on, which I don't really actually know anybody who, my wife doesn't even think that, but if someone thought that, I would love to hang out with you, but I don't know that I'd be in the right place to reach people. I feel like there's something about being a stranger that I have to come, I need God with me, because these people, they may come at me. Of course, Jesus said they come at him and not us, but that's for another talk. And so, there's something kind of holy about where these people were, and I think maybe we can relate. And so I think oftentimes we run from that. I think we should run right to it. Anyway, that's in the humor there. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Now, that word war, maybe it's just, you know, the, the guy in me, but it's a war, right? Okay, our, our sinful, flesh-filled desires, they're not just like a little gnat at a bonfire. Oh, that's annoying. It's not a little dirt off your shoulder. It's a war. And in a war, in an all-out war, a military campaign, you carry it on until it's done. You don't just walk in, oh, this battle, oh, I quit. No, you got to do it you got to do battle. And so you don't win the war against sexual lust by just winning one battle every once in a while. Now, hey, 
I don't want to diminish that. It starts with one. But you stick with it. You fight it. Right? You put yourself in positions and around people that will help you put up guardrails. And that will, will pray with you and, and, and help you through it and strengthen your resolve. You fight it. You don't give in. Ah, it's, just, it's, just, ah, it's just too hard. No, you fight it. And you do it with the Lord. And you don't, you, don't, you know, win the, the war over anger by being nice every once in a while. Well, I was nice to you on Monday. What did you want? No. Whatever the thorns are in your flesh, my flesh, there's many. I mean, no perfection up here. It's a war. And in order to win this war, we must constantly be in God's presence. We need His Spirit within us and with us. We need to be following Jesus, keeping our eyes on the Lord, on heaven, on the Father. Trusting God is the only way to win these wars. And the beauty of it is, you can trust him. You don't have to really even do anything other than nothing, right? And trust him. Let him complete the work. Just come to him. That's simple. Now, you know, not to spoil anyone's, you know, let's charge pork chop hill, you know, moment here. But winning a spiritual war uh, looks pretty much the opposite of winning a physical war. Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, he says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. No, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Remember, it's all spiritual. You're not fighting your neighbor. You're fighting bigger things than that. And so he follows, Paul follows that up with, so therefore put on the armor of God and be equipped and, and it gets into all that. What Paul does is he takes our physical trials, which are real, and he takes them to their spiritual root. Right? He, takes, he, takes, uh, he makes our physical experiences a spiritual reality. There's something more going on than what's bothering you. There's a root and there's a solution, and it's the Lord. Now, Peter does the same thing in, in his letter, and, and he provides a, a sort of pick-me-up in, in verse 12. Let's take a look at the last verse of our, of our section here today. He says this. He says, While you're fighting the war, live such good lives among the pagans, unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, as we fight these outward battles, both within us and surrounding us. We must outwardly live among unbelievers in a way that demonstrates our inward discipline. That we're not, not just out laissez-faire, just going through life, taking them as they come, but we're connected to the Lord, and His Spirit goes before us and with us. And so we're ready to face What's going to happen here in a few minutes later today and this week in our whole lives? We must, like Paul, put on the full armor. Now listen, armor wasn't just made to look pretty. I mean, it's not just, you know, I guess you could sit on the sidelines, like polish your armor and, and man, look how shiny I am. But that's not what it was made for. That's not what you were made for. You were made to do battle, to go to war, 
not just sit on the sidelines. You were made to be a game changer. Every person in this room, every person ever created, really. And that's Paul's charge. Peter has a very similar challenge. His, his take is basically, you know, what good is living for God if, if you aren't going to passionately follow Jesus' very own commission to make disciples, to be one of your neighbors. That everywhere you go, you're all about Jesus because he's real in your life. That's the calling, right? That's what we want. Like We, we want to be and do what glorifies God. I can't imagine anybody in here would say, no, not me, man. You know, If so, stay. This is a good place for you. But I imagine most of us are thinking, yeah, okay, I want that. But maybe you don't know how. Maybe you, you know, you've kind of been afraid of it. But where I think this really comes to a head is this. You can come to church, hear talks. You can read your Bible, and, and it's powerful and all those things. But you got to do it, right? So it's not just about, you know, juggling a soccer ball. Like, dude, 300, 400. I can do like seven. But it's not about juggling how good you can juggle a soccer ball. you got to do it on the field, right? you got to play the game. Well, same in our lives. You know, it, 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 it's for us, it's, it's more than just 90 minutes of a soccer match, or 113 minutes in Goats' case. We'll give him that. Well, it's constant. We, we don't take plays off. We can't. Now, you know, God has a, I'm going to use the word funny just because I'm a little strange, but God has a funny way of, you know, correcting and and rebuking and, and teaching me to be more like him. So um, just this past Tuesday, five days ago, um, my, uh, my, my softball team, we had, a, we had a playoff game, right? And I love, well, I love all sports. And softball season rocks. And um, there's, there's, some, there's a bunch of ironies as the story develops here. Is one, actually at Grace today, there are members from both teams present. So my team, a few, few guys, and then the, the other team. And um, and so we had this elimination game. Loser goes home. Big, it's our rival. Big rivalries. Oh, man. I lose every game but beat these guys. You know, it's like a Michigan-Michigan State thing. And, and so um, we wanted to win, and uh, it doesn't matter. We didn't. I don't want to talk about it. We may have lost. I, okay. All right. You know what? Sinners. No, just kidding. All right. We lost. Actually, you're going to hear the sinner in a second. So we lost. All right. We lost. We lost. I don't want to talk about it. I keep saying we lost. I don't want to talk about it. And... Um, not only did that happen, that outcome happen, that shall continue to remain nameless, is that a few of the guys on my team, perhaps including me, um, kind of lost our cool a little bit. Now, now Luke says it was a lot. Um, he was there. He was one of the, you know, Christians on the team. But um, I think he's over-exaggerating it. I may be underselling it, so we'll meet in the middle. I, we lost our cool a medium. Uh, can, I, can I create that phrase? And um, now the circumstances aren't important. You know, even though we felt wronged and like they deserved it, like this is a real feeling, they, they, they deserved it. But I failed at the very talk that I'm giving right now. And this is a talk that was largely, other than that part, <laughs> was largely written prior to Tuesday night's game. So this isn't like one of those things where like I had a different talk planned and this happened and God convicted me Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And I was like, oh, you're right, Lord. I got to do a talk about that. No, this was happening. And I had been thinking and praying about it. I've been excited about it. I've been like, man, our people need to understand this. And God's like, you need to understand this. And uh, 
funny how he's always right, you know. But um, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, that that happened. And, uh, well, thank you. I am forgiven. Thank goodness. I think I need it. And um, I'm ashamed to admit it. And what, you know, what I wish I could have just told you was what if the softball story was, yeah, man, these guys were jerks, and then da, 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 da. but you know what, man, we were just like Jesus, we just turned the cheek, we just took it, and then after the game, or maybe the next day, one of the other guys on the team came up to me and was like, Carl, wow, dude, hey, I'm sorry for some of our guys, you know, doing what they did, but you really lived out your faith by just turning the other cheek, and you really loved us well, and man, let me tell you what, that was, I saw Jesus in you. No, 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 no. I couldn't possibly do that. So that's what verse 12 could have looked like in my life five days ago. You know, is that not four and a half, you know. That's what it could have looked like. You know, and, and that response perhaps could have made a spiritual impact. Maybe, maybe not. And so if we're going to be game changers in whatever context God has put us in, we can't say, you know, yeah, but they deserved it. And so, all right, here I go. Or, well, they wronged me, and so I'm going to make it right. My way. Because I was wrong. Or we can't say, yeah, but they're an idiot. You know, now, in my house, we don't, well, we, we do, which is the story, but we try not to say stupid. And so if, if we ever do, Avelia, our four-year-old's like, Dad, don't say stupid. Dad, don't say stupid. And what I want to tell her is, but sometimes they are. <laughs> right? Am I right? Is that, is that just... Everyone besides me? Okay. And so I wish I could say that. I don't, so don't, you know. But, um, or, well, that's my boss, and he just loves to bust my chops or make it difficult or micromanage or whatever. Or, yeah, that's, that's, that's my parent. Or that's my kid. And we use those reasons to not act like Jesus. But our calling is so much greater than that. Our calling is to live such good, authentic, Christ-honoring and Christ-following lives in every avenue that God places us in. And to every person that we will ever come into contact with. No exceptions. All to the glory of God. And God gives us the opportunity to get up off the bench and get in the game, and do battle, and fight, fight with him and for him. You know, I'm gonna the band. I'm gonna have the band come up, but I want to close as they're coming with a story of one more game changer. Maybe you heard in the news um, this young woman named Diamond Scott was killed in a fatal car accident just on Monday. And uh, one of our very own mentors, Jay Hill, had been discipling her for, tw for nine years, since she was 12. And she was a game changer. She was scheduled to donate a kidney to someone at her church. And she was packing to go on a mission trip down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to work with troubled youth. And... Just like that, fatal car accident. Now, I don't, I don't, listen, I don't know why tragedies like that happen. Especially someone that was doing it, you know what I mean? 
someone who is faithful. But we have an opportunity to follow in Diamond Scott's and Peter's example and be game changers. Now we can do that by praying for her. We can do that by living out how she lived. And perhaps that's the example. Maybe God wanted to raise up thousands. There's churches all over that were connected with her. But we can also pray for her and her mother. And then just a small little opportunity is tomorrow, Monday. There's, there's a fundraiser at uh, the IHOP on Jefferson, East Jefferson, 2701 East Jefferson, right before you get downtown there. Uh, and 50% of the proceeds, 5-0, 50% are going to the Diamond Scott Memorial Fund. And uh, I'm going to be there, and I just think that's something, you know, worth, worth going to and supporting uh, what God was doing there. So, um, I love you, man. So, we're called the Game Changers. And it starts with our connection with the Lord. The band's going to close the song. Now, if you're like me, you like to guess the song, right? It's fun. It's pretty obvious. They're going to they're gonna play Cornerstone from Isaiah, from Peter. Jesus, the living stone, the cornerstone, the foundation. And here's what I want as I close my part. Read the words. Meditate on them. Be honest with the Lord. Lord, is my hope really built on nothing other than you? The question is probably how many other things am I relying in and trusting other than you? But we come from a long line of game changers, and we want to carry that on. And then if and when you're able, passionately sing it out to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, be glorified. Be honored as you deserve. In fact, more more than we can possibly do, Lord. Bring glory to yourself. Lord, reach people starting with us right now. We love you. You are the cornerstone. You build and you set our foundation, and we need you. Love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.